final mock draft web.com podcast for the 2021 season. We have made it all the way to draft week, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, meaning Tim. <laughs> Got him. Got him. <laughs> we made it. Uh, it has been a long, long journey to get to this point. The draft is just a mere three days away from the time that we are speaking. And by the time that you are hearing, it will be one day away. So, with that being said, we only have done one mock draft so far this draft season. Normally we do three. So we had an initial, we had some pick values, and now we're diving in. Mock 2.0 is your final mock draft of the season. And joining me once again, fresh off of a championship celebration evening for the Milwaukee Bucks, Frazier has returned to the web podcast. Ooh, it feels good to be back. Burned myself out on football a little bit around the draft, and Bucks gave me a nice little chance to refresh. We're ready to go into this draft strong. Ready to ride. I know it's like everybody has been so emotionally tied up with the Bucks the last like two months, and it's really great that A, they closed it out, they did it, they won. And B, they did it in a way where we have a few days to decompress before we hit mm -hmm. Saturday night and everybody can relax now and maybe mm -hmm. watch a little tape in between now and Saturday night. But um, yeah, Caleb is uh, still apparently partying or maybe got arrested last night. I don't really know. <laughs> um, he's don't not here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, he is. Uh, he's taking this one off. It is the OG Pod Squad on the final mock. Frazier and Mingo have you covered here. So, 2016 vibes. That's right. Our humble beginnings. Let's hope it's a little bit better than that. Didn't have to uh, call you in on the old FaceTime today, so that's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's get started. Um, we are going to do a full two rounds per the usual. Uh, it is, you know, we did a community mock draft um, yesterday. And the results of the first round seemed pretty straightforward. There weren't many contested picks. Is that a sign of things to come? Or have the smoke screens been very, very subtle this year people think they have it all figured out but we'll see we'll see on draft night mm. but we're gonna we're gonna take a stab at it here uh tonight and i'm gonna start us off because fraser you made a hell of a trade to land the first overall selection this year it will be the first time in history that you are selecting first overall uh, you traded C.D. Lamb, your draft darling from last year, for the rights to make this pick. And the web community believes it's Jamar Chase. And every other person on the face of the planet thinks that it's Jamar Chase. And I'm going to go ahead and say that you're going to pick Jamar Chase with the 101 in 2021. 
Yeah, it's the poll seemed pretty unanimous, kind of more than I was expecting. I don't know if people think all my pit stuff is smokescreen that I'm trying to like get out, get out in the open, but you know what? It's I think it's still a toss up in my mind. It's gonna I'm gonna have to do some serious thinking over the next few days. Saw uh, I now follow Jamar on Instagram. He's doing a lot of clubbing. Um, oh, and yeah, so I. I, I watched the Bucks win a championship, and I'm like, you know what? I need to start working on the culture. And Kyle Pitts is just a hard worker, kind of like the uh, the Bucks players. There so I'm doing some serious background checking here over the next few days. Now that I got some time, reviewing the Wonderlick scores, all of these yeah. things. Yeah, mm-hmm. trying to get him in for interviews. That's yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, I. Listen, I am not I my prediction is Jamar Chase, but I do not think this is a runaway selection. I am going on record right now. I'm saying it there. It's been too quiet for the last few months, and I really do feel like you made the trade. You saw some value there. Jamar was probably your guy at that moment, but a lot has happened since then. Kyle Pitts has had a meteoric rise up the boards. He was taken before Jamar Chase in the NFL draft. And I think it's closer than the people might think. Um, I'm also not ruling out the possibility that you maybe even move this pick in between Ooh. now and Saturday night. I, I, There's a lot of potential here with this pick. You're entering a rebuild. It's completely uncharted waters for your team. And there's a lot of ways you can go with this uh, premier asset that you have with the 101. So I'm locking in Chase for now, but don't think that uh, you're fooling me if you're going in a different direction. You you saying that makes me think I'm going to have a text from Riley as soon as this <laughs> within like five minutes. <laughs> oh. Oh, the the Riley text. (laughs) We could do a whole podcast on that. (laughs) Nice. Hey, great work as always, Riley. You're you're killing it, buddy. It's just relentless. I mean, there's a lot of different strategies, and his is just pure, pure volume, and it it pays off for him. Everyone's Riley gets he gets some nice ones in. It does. He's made a couple of moves already in the last week to position himself on the board. So, um, all right. Frazier selects Jamar Chase. Moving on, Frazier, you will be selecting for Tim, who has newly acquired the second overall pick from the last time that we did a mock draft after the explosion of trades that came out after the hot takes episode of the pod. So what do you think Tim moved up for? Uh, I am going to take... Kyle Pitts here. I think that was the move with getting rid of Kittle. Um, his late first set him up really nice to grab some. If he wants to get a running back later, he can get running backs. He could just keep loading up on wide receivers. Um, if he kind of goes both with those late firsts, gets Kyle Pitts, puts him right into that lineup. He's starting to look pretty, pretty good lineup. Nice and young and possibly able to make a run this year. So, Cal Pitts, I think, is the right up there with Jamar Chase talent-wise. He's right up there with me on my board. So I think Tim um, is going Cal Pitts here, too. 
as does the web community. That was the selection in the community mock. I, for one, while I agree, kind of like your pick, I agree that I think it's Pitts. However, I don't think it's as cut and dry as it seems like it could be. Um, Tim has a real shot here to add a premier running back asset, a player that is going 101 in many leagues in Najee Harris. He has four first round picks after this pick. And that's not even counting the, the picks that he had last year, plus CD lamb that he newly acquired. So Tim has a real opportunity here to just completely reshape his entire identity on offense with this draft alone. And yeah, Kyle Pitts, premier talent. We just talked about it. He's He might go 101. He was picked fourth overall in the NFL draft. But when you're thinking about fantasy uh, upside fantasy performance. I mean, running back is still the position that you need and pairing Najee Harris with, uh, JK Dobbins and potentially picks up another running back later on in the draft. He starts to move towards that three headed running back stable. That's kind of become like a a thing in web. It's like the equivalent of the big three in the NBA. Now it's like the three headed running back monster. You got to have it. (laughs) So if he wants to work towards that, this is his opportunity because he's not going to, he's not going to get a talent like Najee at six. And he's certainly not going to get him at 11 and 12. Yeah. I'm not sure how much Tim pays attention to like um, projecting value towards the future, but if like Pitts is kind of he's pretty close to he's super highly valued already it's like even if he explodes this year it's like is he really going to gain that much value whereas if Najee explodes this year we're talking possible like uh top top six startup pick somewhere around there where I don't I don't think Pitts could ever get up that high so if he wants to shoot for the fences on that that could definitely be a way to go and yeah like you said he could just grab ETN or someone at six and just take a bunch of wide receivers. And I feel like there's going to be tight ends on the trade market too. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really Pitts is a very interesting case study because of what the tight end position looks like right now in dynasty, you have like three or four guys and then nobody else cares. And so if Kyle Pitts is not, one of those three or four guys moving forward in his career. I mean, this is a huge swing and a miss uh, with premier capital. So if you, you know, you take a guy like Najee um, and really, you know, uh, what to me feels like a can't miss sort of running back prospect. I mean, that could pay major dividends like you're saying. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, I don't think it is as cut and dry as it maybe seems right now. You know, Tim didn't have as much time as last year to like make a whole Twitter account and like really get the <laughs> flames stoked <laughs> on who he's taking. But uh, the the few pits gifts that he's tweeted, I you know you you could consider that smokescreen, I guess. But we'll see what happens, I guess, on draft night. Yeah. All right, moving on. Another pick that has changed hands very recently, Caleb. 
after I predicted that he would move up to the number two overall slot to select Najee Harris. He moved up to the number three spot and still will likely have the opportunity to select Najee Harris. And in that case, that is exactly what he's going to do right here. The community mock agrees. And if this is how the board falls, I mean, there's there's no other way to argue this pick. It's Najee Harris 100%. If he's there, that is the player that Caleb moved up for. It's the player that fits perfectly into his team right now. And uh, this is a scary team moving into 2021 with this addition. This was a huge move for this franchise. Yeah, this, this, like you said, it's the type of trade you only make if you're going up to get your guy. And Caleb is very high in Najee. So, yeah, and he went out, got Kittle, filled like probably the major hole in his lineup. And now he's going to add hopefully that one last piece, maybe get that three-headed monster running back. Um, and yeah, he's ready to try and make some noise in the pack five, maybe take down Dave. Yeah, I mean that that is crazy because I mean this like I was kind of saying on the hot takes episode was like this is the kind of move that can define a legacy. I mean, this is like the move that you make when you're like ready to just mm-hmm. send it. And I think Caleb is at that point. He's kind of been, you know, sitting on the sidelines a little bit watching these elite teams in the playoffs. He's been there, but he hasn't been competitive and he's just ready to take over. So, uh, that Najee is, would be a huge, uh, asset for him, um, moving forward. Yeah. And I love what he did with these moves. He kind of, during the past few years, he'd never like fully sent it all in, which is probably why he kind of lagged behind me and Dave for this past couple of years, but he's, slowly accumulated those firsts and while they ended up late they ended up in spots where maybe you're it's kind of it's a little messy it's like there's a few different options you could take at eight and ten and he just goes and i think he pretty much just flipped those two picks for kittle and i i loved that move to finally go all in for that tight end and get that positional advantage yeah, exactly. That's that's another piece of this equation that that monster three-way trade that uh landed him George Kittle. That was the start of it all. So and then he he eventually moves up for his guy. So um nice job Caleb. Wish you could have been here, buddy. <laughs> Moving on, fourth <laughs> overall. Once again, Another pick that has recently changed hands. Riley moves up to the number four spot. There was a lot of talk but uh, with Riley potentially making some moves. He was acquiring assets. He got the 12th overall pick. He was giving himself some ammunition. Um, but ultimately here, he decides to move down from three to four. Mm-hmm. So what do you think he is going to do with this pick, Frazier? Uh, this one's tough. I'm, I mean, I'm not ruling out ETN. I mean, I think everyone's kind of on Javante for him. Um, I think he's a Javante guy, but I haven't seen anything definite. Um, if I was him, I would consider maybe taking a swing for ETN, that upside, but I think he's kind of got his sights set on potentially making a run this year, and I think Javante would be better for that. Pair him with Damian Harris, who's getting a lot of buzz. Maybe A.J. Dillon's one injury away from being 
a workhorse. So I think he takes the safe play. Javante sounds like he's going to get starter reps. So I'm going to go Javante for Riley at four. Yeah, and this was a player that Josh had uh, as one of his hot takes was that Riley was not going to pick Najee. He was going to pick Javante at three. And now Riley moves down on the board, which kind of lends to the idea that he was interested in Javante, um, even in in that spot at three. Um, But like you said, I, you know, ETN is still a premier prospect. This was a player that, uh, you know, a year ago was considered maybe the best running back in the class. And, his ADP is holding. I mean, if mm-hmm. if somebody took him at four, three, or four, I mean, you wouldn't bat an eye at that. Um, so I think yeah. he's, he's definitely in the picture here for sure. Yeah, if, if I were to pick a spot where I think maybe this the smoke is coming from for the first round, I think this might be the spot because ETN just – I think he's got like break fantasy potential more than Javante does. And that just seems like something that Riley would be uh, kind of interested in. So I think that could be the one spot where maybe we get a surprise on draft night in the first round if no one actually moves around. So yeah, that's four is where we it could get a little interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, ETN with that receiving upside that we, you know, we saw how important that was for, you know, guys like Antonio Gibson and things like that were, you know, getting involved in the passing game. DeAndre Swift, prime example of that. Um, So that could be huge. And, you know, he's going to be paired with Trevor Lawrence and this new look Jags offense. And I know there's a lot of weirdness around Urban Meyer, but um, it's still an exciting time in Jacksonville with a lot of new faces and a new identity on offense. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the community believes that it's Javante Williams. I personally would probably agree with that, but I definitely believe like you're saying that this is not th- this pick for sure is not as like locked in mm-hmm. as it might seem like. Could have been an intentional leak to Josh on the pod. Yeah. (laughs) You never know how deep these things run. It gets weird. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Number five, Colin. So once again here, this this three, four, five combination that kind of swapped around a little bit. Colin um, had moved down to this pick. We all expected him. Um, eventually to move down where he was initially sitting at two seemed like Kyle Pitts was potentially his guy in that spot, but there was a lot of value to be had. He eventually does move down and then moves down one spot further to five. Um, and I think it was great GMing on Colin's part. I think he played this situation perfectly He added draft capital and he is still going to get a player that I'm not convinced he wouldn't have chosen at number two overall on draft night in Devontae Smith. Um, This is a player that uh, his value, his web value has been all over the place because if he didn't go at two, he likely would have fallen all the way to seven um, with how the board previously looked. And that was never okay. 
<laughs> and I'm glad that uh, now with Colin in this position, he has the opportunity to select a premier wide receiver asset, a guy that, you know, despite the size concerns, despite all of those things, uh, that he, he's an elite prospect. And Colin will have a wide receiver um, with that sort of wide receiver one upside in his group now alongside of uh, the returning Cortland Sutton. And suddenly there's a lot of uh, excitement in that wide receiver room. So I, I really like what Colin did here with this, w- with maneuvering the draft board here and still landing Devontae Smith. I completely forgot that he got Sutton. <laughs> I had right. just pulled up this team and I was like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, real savvy by Colin to just had his guy at two realizes that this is a guy i mean that he's he's hearing that these teams like three through six aren't huge on and just he waits it out i mean i think Devontae was his target for a while we've kind of known that he was going to fall to seven for a while if he didn't go two. um but he could have gotten aggressive tried to make a trade but he he waited and finally struck like a week before drafting gets down to uh, Ranger, he can still get this guy that he probably would have taken it too. So real savvy move. Yeah, like that a lot. I mean, there there was so much buzz around that pick. Uh, that was like the story leading up to the draft was who was going to land two. It seemed like the writing was really on the wall there that that pick was going to be moved. Um, and ultimately, yeah, Colin found a great deal, and it still allows him to draft somebody in that top tier. Um, and a, and a guy that he really likes. So great job there by Colin. Um, all right, Tim, who previously was doing a little one, two, three job right in this range with four, five, and six. Now, uh, following his move to two, his next pick will only be here at six. So Frazier, what do you think he's going to do in this spot? It seems like so long ago that he had four through six. It was probably like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, it was like a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we picked up Kyle Pitts at two. Um, this is where it gets weird because Tim has been a massive Waddle guy for almost the entire process. And all of a sudden, I think it got leaked like in the recent days that Waddle is not in his sights here. And he's looking at whatever running back falls to him. So... In this case, it's ETN. Um, like we were mentioned with Najee, if he took Najee too, um, he passes on this in this mock, but still gets a potential guy that can be, if he goes off in his rookie year, a guy that could potentially be like a top 10 dynasty asset, um, potentially pair with Dobbins and maybe lead this team to the playoffs. So I think passing up on Najee worked well here. He gets... Uh, the talent of Kyle Pitts and then comes back around and picks up uh, one of the big three running backs. Yeah. And if one through five does in fact go chalk, um, this is certainly a pick where it's very hard to predict exactly what Tim's thinking here. The community mock had him taking Jalen Waddle. And so here we are. This is the first pick where we are going to disagree with that. Um, and I like it a lot. I mean, like I was saying, uh, with, with Riley at four, I mean, ETN 
has all the upside you're looking for from a running back perspective. He he has the passing game upside. He's, he's kind of in that, you know, uh, not making this comparison, but sort of that Dalvin Cook-esque mold where he, he has that big play potential. He's going to be involved in the passing game. And getting a player like that at six is a huge win. And I think uh, Tim's going to have to seriously look at this. I mean, if there's, he might not even know what he's going to do on Saturday night with this pick. So I'm sure he's still thinking it over, thinking, you know, weighing the benefits to each side. Um, And like you said, a player that he had previously floated out with the 101 on his behind the curtain Jalen Waddle. <laughs> this is just an insane draft season yeah right and we've ended up with a very chalky first round after I've moved around somehow yeah exactly and now he has that opportunity to take that player still at six and yet I don't know if that's the best move for him uh and his franchise so um like the pick of Etienne a lot there uh, moving on number seven, Parker, I'm going to say right now, you know, the, the draft starts to get a little bit interesting with six and I'm saying that the draft really gets interesting with seven. Um, my thought process here is this is, I mean, this is the end of the first, the, like the top tier basically, or maybe you have two tiers and this is the end of your tier two. Um, so it should be a cut and dry pick. If if Waddle is available or Etienne's available, that would be the pick here. And in this case, that would be Waddle. But Parker has been so quiet throughout this process. And uh, it's one team where I just really have no idea what he's thinking, what he wants with this pick. Um, and that's why with the on the takes episode, I said he's going to trade out for a big name because mm. it just feels like he's not sold on a player here. And if he is, he's been keeping it extremely close to the vest. Um, and if that player was Devontae Smith, that player's gone now. And you got to adapt with one week to go until the draft. So um, I'm still not convinced that a trade is not the route that Parker's going to go. Um, feels like draft night could get very interesting at this spot because you may have some suitors that are looking to get into that uh, top two tiers and draft waddle while Parker's looking to move out. Um, but in in this instance, I will select Jalen Waddle for Parker. Um, you know, if he does decide to stay here, make this pick, I mean, you you can't go wrong. Uh, with a player with this much upside, a sixth overall selection, wide receiver in a budding offense, um, with you know just if if Waddle is what people think he's going to be, this is a slam dunk seventh overall pick. I I know there's a little bit more concern with Waddle just because he is in the mold of that player that we have seen not live up to the hype. Uh, time and time again but um the the upside is just too much here if uh parker decides to keep the pick yeah for sure um this is not from parker if i were parker right here i'd be i'd be holding out hope that one of those running backs gets to me because this is a team that's built to win now um might only have one year of pay with rogers left um 
still got Allen Robinson. He's got Zeke. I mean, this is built to win right now. Um, so if it gets to the point, if it falls like this and all those running backs are gone, I think maybe maybe he's doing some behind-the-scenes work, getting a trade ready um, to drop on us on the clock on, on Saturday night. Um, if it falls that way or he doesn't get that running back, because I think he's going to be looking for someone that can slot into his lineup that he can maybe depend on at seven. Um, and I don't think Waddle's going to be that his rookie year, so... I definitely think maybe there's some behind-the-scenes work being done very, very quietly on a potential trade. Yeah, that is that is a great point. Um, Parker is, like I mentioned uh, on the Takes episode, like he's he's ready. Like he's done sitting back and being the second or third fiddle in the Big Five. And I really believe that if uh, if the board falls this way, that, like you just said, Jalen Waddle is not going to be that player that helps him this year. It's he may, you know, he may be a, a startable option throughout the year at points, but he's not going to be at least what I would imagine to be that game-changing player that puts Parker mm-hmm. over the top. And that's why um, I really do think that a trade makes a lot of sense. And there are some teams a.k.a. Carter, like I mentioned, Stefan Diggs, with game-changing players that need some draft capital, that need to start kind of infusing their teams with this sort of talent like Jalen Waddell um, that make a lot of sense for Parker if he wants to go that route. So, um, yeah. I didn't even think of the Diggs trade until you mentioned that, but it just makes so much sense. Maybe 1.07, maybe Parker's 22 first, and maybe another another piece i mean that's just that's something that's got to happen yeah if parker's serious about it and if carter is serious about finding this identity that he's been searching for for like three years i mean it it just makes so much sense for both sides but i'm not you know what i'm not here to tell people (laughs) how to run their teams we're just trying to plant seeds here everybody Mm -hmm. so um all right Moving on, number eight, Tim is back on the clock. So uh, he selects Kyle Pitts and Travis Etienne, and now he is back with another selection. Uh, I feel like I'm Tim's GM in this mock. Um, That's so true. <laughs> got a tight end, got a running back. <laughs> I think there's only, in my mind, there's that tier of seven and then I think there's one more, and then you have the rest of the draft. And I think right here it's gotta be, it's gotta be Bateman. I think he would be the top wide receiver left for Tim's board. I think it makes sense to um, hit wide receiver after hitting those other two. I think, I think Bateman could be something something special in Baltimore if they can, if he unlocks Lamar, similar to how Diggs kind of unlocked Josh Allen. Um, so I like it. I like there's a lot of potential with Bateman there. So I think for Tim, where he was set up to grab as many wide receivers as he wanted to at four, five, and six, I think he's still set up pretty well to take a little bit of a riskier pick, but still could be a nice a nice wide receiver asset for Tim. And this is exactly why the ETN pick makes so much sense for him 
at six yeah. because he gets this eight spot, which has been Rashad Bateman since the beginning. I mean, like you said, this was an eight player group and then the draft gets weird after that. And um, slotting into this spot now, Tim basically guarantees that he is getting Rashad Bateman in this draft if he wants him, which knowing Tim, I am assuming that he does because I don't think he's going to be making any weird decisions off of his own personal board, <laughs> which I would be really <laughs> curious to see, by the way. <laughs> I, I did ask him what he was looking at in the late first, and he said he's going to do some really late uh, video work on these guys. So okay, okay. maybe we do see some changes in this last couple days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, but Bateman, it it has to be Bateman here, and that's why I really like uh, the way that this draft has fallen so far for Tim. He gets you know Mm -hmm. the tight end of the future with unlimited upside. He gets a supremely talented running back to pair with J.K. Dobbins, and now he gets. Uh, a potentially game-changing wide receiver at number eight with Rashad Bateman. Like you said, I think he's got a huge upside, maybe even being a little bit underrated throughout this process. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I love this pick. Yeah. And Tim, these moves that he made, each one after it, I've been kind of like, whoa, what's what's happening here, bud? But now he's, he's quietly set himself up really nice to get some good value. Yeah, for sure. Nice work, Tim. All right, um, to avoid the making our own selections uh, problem, Frazier, you will be going back-to-back here with the moneymakers on the clock at 9. All right, I don't think it would have been a problem on this one, um, but if this is not Trevor Lawrence, this would be the biggest smokescreen of the year, complete with a trade-up to fake the smokescreen for him. But I don't know who else Mango would be making this that move for. He gets rid of Deshaun, gets rid of that headache, picks up Rodgers for the short term because this is a win-now team. And I think he just used that, that next year's first to just go get a different young quarterback with a little bit of a cleaner history. And I think at nine here, I think Mango secures the quarterback of the future, a little bit of a rocky road here with Rodgers. we don't know what's going to happen so i think it's nice to pick up that safety net here yeah um i did uh i did surprise some people last year by picking t higgins Mm -hmm. so i am full of surprises as always but um like you said trevor lawrence has been my guy throughout this entire process and uh, if I do not read that name off of the card on Saturday night, I will be as surprised as everybody else in web. So <laughs> that's all I have uh, to say on that. Hey, maybe maybe Waddle falls to you. Who, who maybe. knows? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to Riley then, who has acquired the number 10 selection. He was very intensely trying to move up the board from 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were kind of... It didn't matter where. He was just asking everybody. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. I just want to move up. Exactly. Which is why on the takes episode, I thought 
this is not about any pick. This is about mm-hmm. ammunition. So I'm still not convinced that that's not what we're talking about here. Um, not convinced that Riley doesn't have a bigger plan in mind um, by trading up to this pick. Um, but I can also see a scenario where uh, Caleb had previously controlled the 11th overall pick and Riley was trying to jump him for a player. Um, And if I had to guess who that player was or is, I would say Elijah Moore, which is what the community mock draft thought as well. And that's who I'm going to pick here. Um, Elijah Moore, interesting player because ADP doesn't necessarily agree with this, but it feels like Webb in general has a consensus that he is the next wide receiver after that, you know, top tier or two. Um, and all reports so far from the Jets are that he has come in and just looked like an absolute star in the making. Um, so if Riley can land that player at 10, potentially a sort of Justin Jefferson like situation where a supremely talented wide receiver falls due to depth. Um, and -hmm. potentially, you know, has this incredible rookie year, probably not up to that same level, but something in that same, uh, way, um, that would be huge for Riley. Obviously, um, we're thinking he goes running back at four in this case, it was Javante. And now he picks up Elijah Moore to add to his loaded wide receiver group already. Um, so yeah, can't really go wrong. Um, I'll say Elijah Moore. Yeah, too. This could be a spot where maybe we see some defensive guys coming up, but then there was a a caveat in that trade that if he takes Jamin Davis, that he has to give up his first next year to him. <laughs> that's right. So that's right. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, defense would have been my wild card pick, like smoke screen, because he's trying to trade Fred Warner. Um, he he hit the trade block today. Um, so. But that seems like a weird move to make to say I'm not I'm gonna trade up for a linebacker that's not Jamin Davis, even though Tim just told me he's taking Jamin Davis. So it could have been like a Parsons guy, but that makes me think that it's not. So it's it's gotta be Elijah, like you like for all the reasons you said. So yeah. Yeah, I I would not I wouldn't be shocked if it was Micah Parsons just because the consent, the web consensus has very clearly shifted to Jamin Davis. And I'm not sure um, if that is entirely because of the just mutual opinions of everybody in web, or if it's because the podcast has been just, pumping up Jamin Davis for like two months. So um, there might still very well be people that have Micah Parsons as their IDP one on the board this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be shocked at all by that. And if Riley just really wanted to lock that up, um, Caleb was a team that needed a linebacker, um, potentially was thinking about him at 11. Um, So was that trade post? I thought Tim already had that pick when Riley jumped him. Did think. he? 
I think he did. I think that okay. was post that trade. So that would make it kind of. Tim told you he's taking Jamin Davis to the point where you made a caveat in the trade yeah. before you did it. Right. And you wanted Parsons. It's like, hey, okay. stay at 12 and just take right. Parsons. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then, then if yeah, if that was the case, I know there was so many trades like all at the same yeah. time. Um, if that was the case, then yeah, I, I that doesn't make any sense. But um, um, still, could be just an ammunition move. Um, that would be the only other like scenario that I could see if it's not a player like Elijah Moore. Yeah. But it, it, in the same vein, I mean, you know, if you move up two spot one spot you're jumping one spot um was tim gonna take elijah moore at 11 i mean if could riley really be sure of that um i don't Mm -hmm. the trade itself just there's a it's it's a little fishy so i think there might be more going on here but yeah it was a decently high price to gave up 19 to do this exactly yeah all right um 11 Free GM insulin pens. Free you're back. All right. I am going to go out on a limb here and say the person that Tim made a deal with Riley not to take a 10 is going to be the person he takes at 11. And I'm going to say it's Jamin Davis. Um, Tim has kind of, after his ridicule on the chat this past year, I think he's kind of doing more on the IDP side. And I think this is the start. He's more aware of it. He made trades for Yannick last year. And I think he's he's putting in a real effort to to improve that defense and bringing in um, a consensus, either linebacker one or linebacker two in this class at 10 or at yeah, 11. Uh, would be a good spot to start um, to get that young linebacker core for his his newly ready to compete team, and it's going to start with Jamin. Yeah, um, pretty much the most cut and dry pick um, from this point on in the draft. When you have a specific clause in a trade, like the one that they had, yeah, mm-hmm. it's this is Jamin Davis. Um, the story with the pick then, if we know what it is, becomes, is Tim taking Jamin Davis because he <laughs> believes he's the best linebacker in the class or is he picking him because the web podcast told him to? That That is the real question here. So maybe uh, Micah Parsons <laughs> ends up being the guy after all and Tim gets screwed over. That would be that would be funny. Um, Tim, knowing Tim, it's completely because Dan said he was for sure <laughs> taking him back when he had 15. So Tim's like, "All right, I'm taking this guy now, taking him at 11." <laughs> but yeah, um, I like the pick. We we've been talking about you know where's the first linebacker going to go. Wasn't quite sure if it would be in the first round but with tim controlling the the last two picks here it it makes way too much sense that he would invest at least one of them in defense um like you said he's he's kind of renewing his focus there as he should and as he needs to so um yeah this would be the uh, the start of a new era for tim's uh insulin pens defense for sure um, and we're going to stay on Tim because he will uh, round out the first round uh, with number 12. 
if you trade it down from 10. And here, this is where the draft really becomes a complete toss-up because Mm -hmm. we have it pretty well figured out, 1 through 11. Maybe there's a few minor changes here and there, some trades, but 12 is no idea. And that was evident by the community mock where there was a three-way tie between Micah Parsons, Rondale Moore, and Terrace Marshall. Um, And ultimately, it was decided to be Marshall in this spot. However, I'm going to disagree with that, and I am going to say that Tim takes Rondale Moore. Um, Feels like a Tim player. Um, Just has the name recognition. We've known about this guy for a couple years. Um, He's in a potent... Uh, Arizona offense set to kind of take over that um, Christian Kirk role, uh, the deep threat kind of over the middle guy. And I think with this completely like wide open tier, Tim's just going to opt to go with that. Um, Rondale does have the highest ADP right now as well. So that he has that working for him. Um, so I'm going to say Rondale, but could see this going about 16 different ways yeah this is a pick where i think even if tim gave you a straight answer today i think that could change by saturday um it also seems like destiny after tim made a ill-advised money line bet on ohio state a (laughs) top five team playing an unranked purdue team um for a lot of money and then ron dalemore broke his broke his heart so I think because of that, Tim cannot not have Rondale Moore on his web team just in case something like that were to happen again. So I think Rondale Moore is the leader in the clubhouse, but that, I mean, it's going to change completely by Saturday, knowing Tim. Incredible point there. That's some really, that's (laughs) a deep dive right there. Yeah. A little nugget. All right. That rounds out the first round of the draft and now we are moving on to round two round two is very very different than round one as it typically would be but this year probably even more so than usual um Mm -hmm. very wide tiers here a lot of quarterbacks um, I made the prediction that we'd see two in the first in this mock. We didn't. So we have four guys still available. Um, so let's get into it and see what happens. Um, Frazier, you are going to start us off with Colin, who has newly acquired the 13th overall pick following his trade down. Yeah, well, Colin got this pick. I completely was just assuming this was going to be a quarterback. And until I looked at his roster just now for this, I completely forgot that he got Deshaun. And he also has Baker, which who I forgot about. <laughs> I was thinking he just said Tua. I don't know why. So in my mind, he was taking a quarterback this whole time. But now knowing that, I think this is the perfect chance to add Parsons Micah Parsons to his linebacker group, which is kind of, he's got some guys, but they're, they're either kind of like lower tier guys like Greenlaw or like 
Jayon Brown where they're pretty good, but they're they're getting up there. They're not quite in his his window range. So I think this is the perfect opportunity to add a guy that before he got his landing spot, this was a guy that we're hearing a lot of at like 10 or maybe even 8. So I think for Colin to get him here at 13 just because he went to a crowded linebacker room I think is going to be a real nice value. I'm still an incredible talent, so I could picture having a massive a massive first year making impacts all over the field and maybe being that coveted huge playmaker and also a huge tackler that kind of make a real difference in web with our structure. Yeah, definitely. I think the demise of Micah Parsons has been a little bit overstated. Um, there were talks that he would maybe not even be the second guy off the board if Jamin was that player. Um, but I think this makes a ton of sense. I don't think he can fall much further than this. Um, right out of the first round seems right. And Colin, in this case, um, if he's not going to take a quarterback, which, like you said, that that honestly was kind of where my head was at too when he made the trade initially. But then, yeah, you forget like, oh, I traded him to Sean Watson. Like he has mm-hmm. that player now. Um, mm-hmm. I think it makes a lot of sense to, instead of, you know, throwing a dart at a Terrace Marshall or one of the running backs to just come in, grab a potential superstar IDP with 13th overall and just kind of try to build around him on the defensive side of things. Yeah, I I agree with that. Rather than, like you said, throwing a dart on a Terrace Marshall guy who's got a lot of bust potential, just take that guy who's got all the talent in the world for his position, uh, was a top 10 or whatever linebacker draft pick. So I think that's tough to pass up over a, I mean, Terrace Marshall could hit big. Um, you never know, but he also could be just the, I mean, in this range last year, like a Denzel Mims who lost a ton of value. So yep, I think exactly. it's, a, it's a nice safe pick here for Colin. Exactly. And this is sort of the new, um, the new era of web, if you will, where, you know, we already saw it happening. And now with the defensive scoring changes coming into effect, IDP becomes even more significant on draft night. And uh, as we see the tiers start to fall off for the skill positions, the the IDPs are going to start going earlier and earlier because you look at a guy like Micah Parsons with his potential, and then you look at some of the the names around him where it's like, yeah, you might like one of those guys a lot, um, mm-hmm. and you know these are guys with like second, third round capital behind them. But like Micah Parsons was like a potential top ten pick and and potentially elite IDP asset. So um, th- those sorts of players are going to start going ahead of some of these guys now. I think for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, all right, Frazier, you're, you made Ooh. it, buddy. You're back on the clock. You selected first overall, Jamar Chase. Now you're here. This is the uh, pick, one of the picks that was involved in the trade that we made um, where I secured ninth overall. Um, and so 14. Feels a lot like it could be a quarterback. Um, interested to hear your thoughts on that. But to me, 
you were already linked to Trevor Lawrence at nine. You made a trade mm-hmm. with me again. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, MVP candidate and Webb, um, shipped out of the building. And now, you know, that the quarterback situation, it's it's kind of up in the air right now. So with the pick of the litter available, I mean, Lawrence went, but you got the pick of everybody else in this elite quarterback class available to you. I am going to say that you will select a quarterback here and you will pick Justin Fields. Um, I think Justin Fields is your preferred guy in the Lance versus Fields argument. And um, I think it makes a ton of sense for your team. You enter this new era, um, you're starting a rebuild. You could be a couple years away at at the minimum of uh, being competitive again. And so now you kind of reload. You you get in on this elite quarterback class. You pick QB2. And uh, you kind of just reload uh, with the superstar asset and chase and your new quarterback for the next, hopefully, 12 to 15 years in Justin Fields. Yeah, this goes back to, like you mentioned, the the quarterback, if I'm looking that way. I think that uh, we can look back at what we said with Colin. It's like you go with a wide receiver that you like um, with maybe second or third round capital, or do you... Go with an elite talent that may be a less important fantasy position. And in this situation, we're definitely doing our due diligence on these quarterbacks. Um, we really, really like Justin Fields' Kaiser <laughs> game. Can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> I, Up until right now, I just assumed that um, Justin Fields was going to call in at 13 because I forgot about Sean Watson. <laughs> Um, so this newfound information is really nice. <laughs> uh, so this is me in real time getting excited about Justin Fields. If it hadn't have been Justin Fields to Colin, I would have been making some tough decisions. I think what what I can get at 20 is going to be a factor in this pick too, how I'm feeling there. Um, if there's a wide receiver I like, is he going to be there at 20? If there's a quarterback I like, is he going to be there at 20? So as of right now, I, I like that pick a lot. That's nice. That's mm-hmm. really nice. <laughs> I like that real-time realization <laughs> that Justin Fields might be <laughs> there. Oh, my goodness. I need it. Uh, the, the, the quarterbacks are it, – it's one of – just like it was on NFL draft night, it's going to be one of the stories of the night for me in web, just to see how people value it. You know, we got the scoring changes in effect. People have understood how that works. Now we've seen Justin Herbert climb up the ranks to become this elite, uh, player and dynasty asset. So I'm really interested to see how people value them, but I think, I think this would be a great pick for you at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Frazier, you will be selecting for Josh at number 15. This is Josh's first selection in the draft after he traded out of the first round, uh, initially sitting at 12th overall and now at 15. This is interesting because Josh's team has been completely altered, his timeline and everything with this Akers news. I mean, that was a potential game breaker. Just looking at the spot that just is empty now makes me depressed. 
Um, so at 15, I mean, I think Josh was fully, he was fully ready. He was going to make this his year. He had the 2018. It was a little bit of a fluke. Um, he's been trying to get back to it. I think he finally had the talent ready, had that three headed monster that we talked about, which is almost a necessity to compete in web these days because someone's going to have it. And it's so tough to compete with. He had his ready. It got turned on its head. So just in one moment with one tweet. Um, so I think at 15, I think Josh might get a little bit desperate here. I think this is the range where we could see someone do this move. And I think it's going to be Trey Sermon uh, with this latest news. So I think Trey Sermon goes here to Josh. That's my pick. If you hit it big, if the 49ers have run him out of the, out of the gate with that scheme and he gets starts to put up maybe some moster type numbers that's not quite as good as i think acres would have been but it's going to be enough to keep him in contention to maybe make some some moves in the pack five this year yeah incredibly frustrating um time for josh right now just these last couple days um just really having to reevaluate your expectations for your team um just with one with one injury and um Mm -hmm. trey sermon was a player that we had discussed as potentially gaining some first round buzz in web after the landing spot um and josh is able to land him at 15 and this may have been in Josh's plans from the very beginning. You know, he trades down from 12 to 15. Um, Maybe it was a value move. Maybe he had a player in mind, and he's still able to get into that second running back tier um, right here at 15. And uh, I, I like the pick a lot, especially now. I mean, considering the injury, obviously, but honestly, even before that, still would have liked the pick. It's great value. Um, you're you're betting on some serious upside here with Sermon, um, with with those 49ers numbers um, potentially behind him, and uh, yeah, I, I I I really like the pick, um, especially now and compared to this like weird like giant tier of wide receivers that are just like here right now. Um, there's really only two running backs left, and so getting in on that now is is pretty big. So like that a lot plus two like in the second round there's not many players that i mean we saw this with acres last year he didn't even like have that good of a season he had like two or three good games and that was enough with just him being a running back to put him in like top 10 dynasty adp so it's i mean in the second round i mean we always we make fun of like the Keyshawn bonds but it's it's sometimes worth just throwing that dart i mean he could suck and he, he'll it's it's like running backs are so risky because if he sucks he's done like he's gonna <laughs> right. be worthless and web he's Keyshawn Vaughn yeah. um but if he hits it big then you're like this is like a top 10 running back so it's yeah it's a risk but I think it's the perfect risk for Josh taking this spot yeah and perfectly said that's another major storyline on draft night is that you have this top tier of running backs that are all going to go in the top six and then you have two guys there are two running backs left in this draft i mean maybe a late flyer ends up hitting but like if you're talking about serious potential 
you have two guys and uh, getting in on that in the second round might be a huge win for a team. So um, if you're doing that at 15, that's potentially major value, um, especially considering the 49ers landing spot and, and the sorts of buzz that, that goes along with that. So, all right, Riley back on the clock here and I will be selecting for Riley. Um, yeah, so like I said, the tier here is so large and Riley is definitely a guy who's going to be drafting off of his own board. Mm-hmm. He locks up Javante Williams and Elijah Moore so far dips into each of those position groups. Um, don't think he goes quarterback just because of the Herbert acquisition, but wouldn't be shocked by it if he was looking for a value move here. Um, but in this case, if I'm trying to get inside his mind, what is the player that he values the most right here? I'm going to say Terrace Marshall. Um, a player that uh, was a first-round pick in the community mock, a player that um, I know a lot of people in web really like. There was some concerns, um, health concerns on draft night that ultimately caused him to um, fall out of the first. He may have fallen out of the first anyway, but there was some first-round buzz with him. Um, And so I think Riley... Um, while he does have this wide receiver group that is incredibly deep, um, he has shown in the past that he's not afraid to just add value wherever it is. And he's going to pick off of his own board. And, uh, I think Marshall, if I'm trying to be him right now, I think Marshall would be the pick in this spot. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll go with Terrace Marshall. Yeah, this is going to be a, a big risk tolerance pick from Riley. If he wants to maybe take a backup quarterback, maybe Trey Lance. I think that's a pick that's really likely to hold its value for a while. Um, but he has that wide receiver room. He could take a big swing and probably, I, I would think one of the higher upside wide receivers in the class, it's just his size. Um, so you could take that big swing, keep just adding to that wide receiver room. If he hits it big, all of a sudden you have a, just a, sick wide receiver room so i could definitely see that as well i think it's going to be an interesting case study for miley with this pick which direction he decides to go for sure uh frazier i'm back on the clock which means you are making the pick and please tell Mm. me what to do with 17 because i do not know uh there's a lot that i that i could do hmm I am looking at your roster, and I think I haven't done a lot of IDP work yet. I've heard that Zavin Collins got in some trouble. I don't know what the extent of it. I haven't looked into it too much. Speeding. Speeding. Okay, so not bad. Um, I think that's a good pick for you here because I think that's been a theme of when I take control of your team in mocks. I'm always trying to add some younger defensive pieces. You've got gone all in on a lot of these guys like Jordan Hicks, um, Cam 
Jordan. I mean, they're getting up there. Cam Jordan was an OG. It's his nickname, but Jordan Hicks. Um, these these older defensive acu- or acquisitions that you make while you're contending. So I think it makes sense with these second-rounders to add that high upside um, Zayvon Collins, who could potentially just take the Jordan Hicks role right out of the gates. So you just turn your Jordan Hicks to a 22-year-old freak. So that would be nice. It would, it would be really <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I... The defense is is certainly a concern heading into draft night. I mean, it's no secret that it's it's an older group. Um, Jordan Hicks um, potentially, you know, losing a starting job if he doesn't get traded um, is really going to hurt. And um, Zayvon Collins is a player that um, I think is is going to be on Riley's radar in the pick before this. For sure, I think that's probably where his where his range begins. Um, and if Riley opts to not go in that direction, as we have here in this mock, um, that puts me in a very interesting situation because um, this is sort of like the end of like the top tier of linebackers. I mean, if you want to put them all in the same tier, um, so in that sense, it makes a lot of sense. In well, in that sense, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Nice work, Mango. Um, way with words. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm certainly like 100% looking at adding to my defense on draft night. And um, if the board falls this way, this would be a serious consideration. Because like you said, Jordan Hicks to Zayvon Collins, natural progression. It's a, it's a perfect little uh change and uh, changing of the guard so yeah as soon as i saw that i was like yep this is what i'm doing nice thank you <laughs> good pick good pick nice work all right i'm back on the clock and riley is back making another selection so i'm sandwiched in between riley and uh i had him taking terrace marshall felt like the value there was pretty strong um, and I sniped Zaven from him at 17. So um, I don't think IDP is going to be on his radar at this point. And God damn it, I am really just, oh, wow, I want to pick Trey Lance so bad. Um, <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Uh, Riley is going to take Trey Lance at 18 because I – I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not vibing with Webb here, but I really feel like this quarterback tier is going to be a priority for people on draft night. I just mm-hmm. we we saw what happened with Justin Herbert last year. We saw how, you know, his value just skyrocketed and with the scoring changes um you know, this is in people's minds now. And even if you have a quarterback, like having a good backup is very important. Now having a trade chip, very important. We saw the price that Caleb was able to get for Dak Prescott. The precedent was sent there. It was two first round picks. That is the new value of quarterbacks in web. Um, and so in that case with, with Riley still molding this roster, I mean, it, it's, it's only year two. He's still trying to, 
put value in where he can and, and find these opportunities. And I really think that Trey Lance at 18 is a major opportunity. This is a player that, you know, uh, in that 49ers offense, number third overall pick, he has so much upside, just crazy upside. And um, while he might not, you know, 2021 might not be the year that you see that, like Justin Herbert was, um, Riley's in a position to be okay with that because he has mm -hmm. Justin Herbert and he has a young team. So let Lance sit on the bench, let him mature in the NFL and then, you know, potentially reap major rewards down the road. Um, so I'm going to go with Trey Lance. Yeah. I love that pick. I mean, I think this is a spot where I think teams that maybe aren't positioned for a quarterback here, I mean, say like a Dave are going to start trying to get really aggressive teams that don't have that young quarterback option trying to move up because this is when like web has changed this is when you're gonna have to go get those guys they're not gonna patrick mahomes isn't gonna make waivers um anymore these oh, types God. these types these types of guys are going they're gonna go in the second now even if teams don't need quarterbacks like like with riley it's just like i'm taking trey lance here just because this is a safe pick he's gonna hold his value and he's got if he hits it's like I mean, Patrick Mahomes is probably one of the most untradeable people to get in web. I mean, you just can't can't get Patrick Mahomes. So if you if you hit big on a Trey Lance who has that kind of potential, that's so big. I mean, it's a pick that's going to hold its value, and that's when these guys are going to go now. So that's if there's not people taking them, there's going to be people like Dave trading up for them. So. Love that pick from Riley, and I think we could see some fireworks here in this mid-second for some of these guys. I absolutely love that Dave take. That is such yeah. a great take. I like Ryan Tannehill is very underrated, very mm -hmm. underrated. But I could definitely see Dave getting aggressive. You know, he doesn't have a ton of assets to work with. And in terms of ammunition, but like you get into this mid late second and you have guys on the board like this. I mean, there is a real opportunity to just lock up that quarterback spot moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I really think like Dave uh, is, is in a really prime position to potentially make a move like that. Um, so yeah, really like that. You called that out, Dave, yeah. hope that you're listening. <laughs> Let's get Trey Lance on your team, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, that would be the perfect Ryan Tannehill backup. And I think we've almost turned the quarterback position. It kind of resembles like the way tight ends are now a little bit to me, which I just kind of was thinking about where it's like you can get these Tannehills, but Tannehill, it's, he's one of those like those tight ends that are like the fifth or sixth ranked tight ends consistently, or it's like this top guy is doing so much better than my tight end but he, yeah mine's pretty good yeah but it's not like that it's like if you have the ryan Tannehill and you don't have that young option behind them it's i think dave could be in a spot to just get aggressive he doesn't have much pick ammo to work with but i don't know what future ammo he has to work with but he definitely has some players maybe he could work in and maybe get something done love that love that take so much <laughs> All right, Frazier, you guessed it. You're back on the clock. 
with the insulin pens. <laughs> I just got so locked into that Dave take. I can't. I gotta go back to Tim's stupid team. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. What have I all picked for him? This. I. Like each pick up to this point, I have. I've been trying to like guess what what they are, and usually I have a pretty decent guess at least. Sometimes good, usually decent. This is the first one. I have just no idea. I don't know where Tim's gonna go with this. Kind of thinking of Mon Ra, but that feels <laughs> a little too early. Maybe IDP double double down on that. With J- I think I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take Jalen Phillips here. Just going to keep pounding the defense for Tim. Um, pair him with Jamin. A couple of potential cornerstones. He's got some injury concerns. Otherwise, he might be up in the closer to where Chase Young was taken. But I think the high upside guy here to pair with Jamin would be nice for Tim. Yeah, I love that we're at the, like, fuck it stage of this mock draft because I really feel like that's exactly what it's going to be on draft night. Teams are going to be like looking at the board, looking at who's available, and they're just going to be like, fuck it, Uh, Trey Lance, fuck it, Jalen Phillips, you know, like you Mm -hmm. have you have some serious upside available in these positions that you wouldn't necessarily always be thinking about. But in this new age of web, you are thinking about them. And D line is undergoing the most changes potentially of any position ever. You are now mining defensive linemen with that nuclear weapon potential with the new scoring system. So um, love the pick. Jalen Phillips is a name to monitor on draft night. He's either a guy that's going to go way higher than you think he's going to go, or he's going to go way lower than he should go with the new scoring. I really feel like it's, it's something to monitor where where our team's going to value a guy like Jalen Phillips um, at post defensive scoring changes, mm-hmm. um, and it makes so much sense for Tim to get in on this um, to just invest in that defense, add two premier assets into that defense in in one draft, um, and you know potentially hit a major home run with Jalen Phillips here at nineteen. I mean. If he turns out to be that player, that, you know, that 15 sack a year player, I mean, this is a huge find for Tim um, and a potentially super under the radar selection. Yeah. And I think with these changes, those top tier D linemen that are just every year, like 15 sack guys, I think those are the people that should get the biggest value bump with our changes. I think more so than the other IDP positions. I think they're a little more volatile where, I mean, Devin White could have a year where he just doesn't, like, not as much tackles find him. But I think if you find those, like, those TJ Watts or those Miles Garretts where it's just year in, year out, they're doing their thing, they're getting quarterback hits, they're getting sacks, and they're dependable, I think that might be the new, like, thing for IDP, the thing that you want the most. Yeah, T.J. Watt, perfect example of it. Um, We saw how the scoring changes would have affected his season and what that can do for a team. And if you get a player like that, I mean, 
that is a major, major win. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chase Young went first round without the changes. And so you're talking about potentially, you know, after we see the effects of this go into action, defensive linemen, your premier edge rush talents being, you know, top of the second round picks moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I love the swing here for Tim um, towards the end of the second. Um, all right, Frazier, you're back on the clock. Number 20, I will be making this pick. And, God, there are so many ways we could go. Again, once again, so many names on the board. Um, don't know if you're looking for a value pick here or if you're going to go with the board, go with your guys. Um, and for the sake of this mock draft, I'm just going to assume that you are going to go with your guy. You're going to go with your board and I'm going to pick Diami Brown because you're set up perfectly in this range. Um, you know, late second, that's right about where he should go. And we're right in the middle of this giant tier of players. So I can't see a reason why you wouldn't Mm -hmm. opt to go for your guy here. And I mean, um, a player that honestly might be a little bit underrated, even going through this process. He has a prime opportunity in Washington to kind of seize that role um, with Terry McLaurin and become a focal point in this, you know, uh, new Washington offense. We'll see, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, and maybe we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, yeah, definitely could not fault you at all for for going with Diami here. Yeah, we're we're at a real hodgepodge of players here. I think there's a massive, well, not a massive tier break, but there's like once we got past like 17, it started to just be like there's this group of like 15 players you could take, and no one's gonna really fault you, um, unless I'm trying to play games and trying to push a certain person down the board with my 14 pick. The way it falls right now, I think that's just the spot where you have this guy that you like, and you should just just wrap them up. It might be a little, a little early um, based on ADP, but it's just, it's time to just get them. You don't, you don't have another pick coming up. I'm not sure back when I was at 24, if he would have got all the way, all the way to me. So we're up at 20 and I like just, uh, just grabbing them. Yeah. And I, the second round, I mean, it's, it's the time to just grab your guys. I mean, it's, you can look at ADP and all that, but I mean, we're talking about a mid to late second round pick. I mean, the hit rate is already not super high in these spots. Um, and so you might as well just go off your own board and, you know, trust yourself, trust your process and add a guy that you really like because, you know, it's, you, there's there's certainly some other options here like Michael Carter still on the board that second running back that kind of that last running back available but um if that's if that's not a guy that you know you're in love with or that you think's going to help your team then why take him you know Keyshawn Vaughn went 23rd last year for, as a value pick because his ADP was so high and we saw exactly what happened there it's not a value pick if he doesn't ever turn out to be anything. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's there's my riff. There's there's my riff on the late second, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, Michael Carter, the guy that I would consider here for Dan with the next pick. I mean, 
This, this, like, I like the Trey Sermon risk. I don't know if it's just me, but the Michael Carter risk makes me a lot more scared. I feel like that has a lot more Keyshawn Vaughn bust potential. Um, so, from Dan here at 21, I think... I think he's going to avoid the running back, even though he could use some depth. Um, I don't know if his team pulled up, but last I recall, he had his he had his guys, and then he had a lack of depth at running back. But I, I'm going to avoid it, and I'm going to go. We were talking about the quarterbacks all going second, anyone with potential, and I think that's going to remain true here. I think he's going to take the last one. Not the last one. That was Mac Jones insulted mac jones there the last insulted one josh with, uh, personally I, i'm way. sorry josh um taking zach wilson here for dan the same type of thing he was doing with tua and herbert that we've been talking about all off season get another guy to just groom behind behind Mahomes. maybe wait a little bit longer to trade him this time um let him let him grow a little bit so <laughs> I think he does that same thing. Zach Wilson's been getting a lot of Jets buzz. I think that's a, a nice pick for Dan in the second round here. Yeah. Um, Dan could use depth across the board. Um, that is, you know, really where his team is at. He has this elite starting lineup, but the depth is really lacking right now. And um, so can't really fault him any direction that he goes here. Uh, but like the Zach Wilson pick a lot. This is a player that has been getting almost no buzz throughout the web draft process. It's it's all been about the top three guys. And uh, I can understand why, because from a fantasy perspective, those other two guys, Fields and Lance might, you know, feel like a little bit more upside. Um, but Wilson was still my quarterback too in the class. And, um, in a class like this, that's a pretty high praise and getting a guy like that at 21 is a pretty big value hit. Um, if he turns out and if he's the guy in, that the jets have been waiting for. So, um, in Dan's situation where he has Pat Mahomes and then Danny douchebag and like nothing else, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Wilson there uh, instead of one of these dart throws um, that he could go with to build his depth elsewhere. So, mm-hmm. all right, I get to make another selection for Tim. So you get to take a break here. Um, number twenty-two. So Tim is kind of pacing himself throughout this draft. He's he's making regular appearances here even in the second round this is second second round pick um and the enigma that is tim what do we do here so he picks Jalen phillips at 19 um i just really don't think michael carter can fall any further um i I personally like Michael Carter a pretty decent amount. Um, The big knock on him is that he might not be a three down back. He might not be a workhorse guy. Um, And the Jets, you know, he does. There's not a whole lot of competition there. So that's why his ADP is so inflated. 
Um, so we're going to find out exactly what his NFL workload is going to look like this year. Cause I don't think Tevin Coleman and company are going to be doing much to get in the way of that. Um, and so in that case, getting this player at 22 is pretty ridiculous. I mean, um, potential starting running back as a rookie. I mean, even if he's in a, in a timeshare, he's still going to be getting meaningful snaps and you get that player at 22. Um, that's a pretty big home run. I would say, even if he doesn't pan out this, you, you really cannot fault the value here. Tim has had so many picks already, um, to go with a guy like this, um, under his ADP, and with that sort of upside, I mean, yeah, you, you can't go wrong here. I agree, especially with him picking up ETN. I think these Michael Carter types work a lot better as your like flex bench running backs where they can they can come in. If things break right for them in a certain year, they can put up RB1 seasons, kind of like what James White has done, where you have that one year where he puts up like a top 10 season. So. We could definitely see Michael Carter in that light, and if he has Dobbins and ETN in his main two spots, that could be a nice little flex play for him if things break right. For sure. Okay, I will be making a back-to-back because I have the 24th selection coming up here. So um, Caleb is back on the clock. So he had three first-round picks, and now his second selection here coming at 23. So, Caleb, let's get inside the mind of Caleb. Um, Once again, we have so many players that are available here that you could not fault Caleb for taking. I think he's going to go off of his own board. Um, and Kadarius Tony is still sitting here with first round NFL draft capital. Um, I do think Caleb will be enticed by Amon Ra because of the opportunities available there. But at the end of the day, I know Caleb likes Tony and with being the 20th overall selection, I mean, you just can't, you can't let him get past you here. End of the second, 23rd overall. I mean, if you like this guy and he's still here, you have to take him. So, um, Caleb will be taking Kadarius Tony. Yeah, that's. I kind of was surprised he fell that far because I, in all of my like guesses, I always have him going like in the 2018 range, but I could definitely see it because it's just a guy that I think Webb is pretty cool on, other than maybe a select few people. So I think in Caleb, I think he is a Tony guy to a certain extent. So I think he would be pretty happy to end up with Tony back at all the way at 23. So it'd be nice for him. Yeah, the middle of the second is uh, it's weird because I feel like there aren't many teams in that range that like would opt for Tony. So that could create an opportunity for Mm -hmm. this sort of player to fall all the way to the end. Um, All right, Frazier, 
Take us home, baby. The Moneymakers are back with their third selection of the draft. All right. So you made... I took Trevor Lawrence, and then 17 was Zave. And with, with Mingo going for the first ever through back-to-back-to-back, I was doing some quick research. I was focused on players that could help him do that, but I'm not sure if there's any left. Um, so I think Josh is going to get mad at me, but I think I'm going to go Mac Jones here at 24. I'm going to get all of these quarterbacks off the board in the second round. I think there's not not many people left that you could slot into your starting lineup right away. Maybe uh, JOK. Um, if he can get off to a nice start, but I think that's pretty risky too. So I'm just going to take Mac Jones. I think that going back to that second round quarterback thing we were talking about, I think that's the new spot for any quarterback that has decent draft capital. So going Mac Jones, another guy too, just slotted behind Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers actually retires, then you just have your backup for Lawrence already. So it's nice. Yeah, my my quarterback room is in a worse spot than even I like think that it is. I think I feel like um if Aaron Rodgers like just doesn't play or like anything weird happens with that, like I'm legitimately screwed. So mm-hmm. um cuz Jared Goff's not moving the needle and Drew Locke is might get cut before the season even starts. So <laughs> Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence at nine and then coming right back and just taking the end of this, of this group. I mean, um, it makes a lot of sense and I'll say it right now. I mean, quarterbacks on my radar at 17. So it's just, if I take Lawrence at nine, that does not mean that I wouldn't take a quarterback at 17 because the value is just too good with these players. And, um, a guy like Mac Jones, who slots in uh, perfectly in New England, he's he's gonna be the guy. I mean, Cam Newton might might start the year as the as the starter, but uh, Mac Jones is gonna take over that team sooner rather than later. And it was a perfect spot, and I really like the player. And uh, it would be hard for me to let him fall to the third round. I'll say that. So. It's just, yeah, it's it's one of those spots where I was looking at the other names and I'm like, it doesn't seem enticing enough for Mingo to just not take Mac Jones here and just get Mac. Yeah, there are so many players uh, in the second round range that have uh, that you could make an argument for for any mm-hmm. team to take. I mean, it, it's the definition of going off of your own board. And I think a lot of teams are going to be doing exactly that in the second round. Um, and everybody's board is going to be completely different as opposed to the first round where it's basically the same. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to make for a really interesting draft night. And we have two whole rounds after what we just ran through and a lot of Pretty good names still on the board. So um, it's going to be really exciting. And I'm very, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I can't wait to see everybody to get into this, to to do our, you know, what is this draft number? 
eight eighth draft. <laughs> this is our eighth draft, everybody. So we, the, you know, this is this is getting crazy. Um, excited, you know, to to see how it shakes out. But um, really had fun doing this. Frazier, thank you for uh, for coming back and being a part of this one. This is always one of the best pods of the year. I've been so uh, locked into the draft this year. Like I just, I can't wait to to get there and find out how it all shakes out and and to you know crack my four loco and just see where the night <laughs> takes me. <laughs> yeah, so it's a nice little exercise to get me back back going on things before the the big game. Um, I think I think. First round might end up being a little bit boring, but I think the drinks are going to be flowing in the first round, and they're going to set up some second round fireworks. That's right. And hey, just let's not forget here that just because we think we have it all figured out now, we don't. Doesn't mean not, that that's we do. Smart. Exactly. <laughs> there are some teams in there that there's deals on the table. There's you know, some smokes. I know smoke screen season wasn't as intense this year, but that doesn't mean it wasn't happening. Yeah. And I can maybe. attest to that with nine. You know, I got a four year, a four month plan in the works here with this Lawrence smoke screen. I mean, this Lawrence pick. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe we were just sloppy with our smoke screen last year and we've, everyone's just really honed it into where <laughs> everyone thinks they know what's happening. Legit now. So exactly. Good. It could just get all turned on its head. That's we'll right. See, maybe maybe one on one does get traded. We'll whoa, whoa! What? Cut it. Cut that. <laughs> uh, oh my god! After watching that video, the the Caleb the Caleb cut up there and just seeing that oh. feel, I was like, oh god, I gotta. This is. <laughs> I gotta be at the draft. This is. Ooh. It's so fun. It's so mm-hmm. fun. Everybody makes it so fun. Um, and yeah, can't wait to see all you guys. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. Sure will. Sure will. One day when this drops. One That's right. Day. We will see you all tomorrow, 7 p.m. at the speed shop. You know the drill. Show up with plenty of alcohol. We are getting turned up. We are going to make some picks and then we are going to party. So on that note, let's make it a great day. Great weekend. And a great weekend.